0: Welcome back to the VeloNews Podcast, everybody. I am Kaylee Fretz, coming to you quite literally across the world from our usual Colorado studio. I'm in Taiwan, a small island off the coast of mainland China that you probably know as the home to the factory that built your carbon fiber bicycle. Taiwan is a lot more than that, and that's basically why I'm here this week. It's a bit of a hidden gem, actually. I'm here for what I would say is its marquee event. It's called the Taiwan KOM Challenge, which rides from sea level to an insane 10,700 feet, 3,375 meters, all in one go. That makes it, if not the longest, then one of the longest paved climbs in the world. I'm trying to confirm if it's actually the longest one, and we think it might be. There's definitely some longer dirt climbs. There's one in Colombia, one in Hawaii, but uh, we think this is the longest paved climb in the world, and you can race your bike all the way up it. This special podcast is brought to you by Scott Bikes, who were kind enough to send over a pretty amazing 15-pound addict premium disc for me to ride this event on. That bike will actually be up for sale in the coming weeks with all proceeds going to World Bicycle Relief, which is a fantastic cause. And as a thank you to the Velonews Podcast loyal listeners, you can also enter to win some great stuff from Scott right now. Just head over to scottsports.com slash That's scott slash Velenews. Put in your info, and you'll automatically be entered to win a Scott Cadence helmet, plus carbon-soled Road RC Ultimate shoes. That's over $700 in super rad Scott stuff just for signing up. Easy as that. But let's get on with the podcast. For those of you not up on your Asian geography, and I certainly would count myself among you before i came here i am on an island a pretty big one actually sits off the east coast of mainland china southwest of japan north of the philippines uh i'm relatively close to the tropic of cancer meaning that it's really warm uh, and also pretty wet Uh, there's there's currently a typhoon and basically the tail of it is kind of whipping the the edge of uh the edge of taiwan or will in the next couple days so we've had quite a bit of rain here but it's a it's a very warm rain it's sort of a miami kind of rain definitely not a a colorado rain most of the island is one giant mountain range uh there's over 200 peaks over 10,000 feet so that's basically like you know that's like colorado that's like the rocky mountains the road network is extensive and from what i've seen the last week pretty beautifully paved the people are super friendly exceptionally welcoming, uh, even when you don't speak a word of Chinese or of Mandarin, as, as I don't. And as you've probably already guessed, this place is becoming an increasingly popular place to ride a bike. I personally had a couple friends come over here a couple, well, about a year and a half ago, did a circumnavigation of the island, absolutely loved it. That was actually part of the reason why we were inspired to send someone over for the Taiwan KOM. We wanted to come check out this up-and-coming cycling culture, and cap it off with one of the world's largest climbs up Taroko Gorge. Uh, actually, I came to race up it. That is the Taiwan KOM Challenge, and as I said, it starts at sea level, like literally right on the beach, and you end up at ten thousand seven hundred fifty feet uh, over about fifty-seven miles. So, it's not the steepest climb in the world. Uh, it's also not the easiest climb in the world. I I, I can go a little bit into detail and, and what the actual climb is like later on in the podcast. Thanks to a few short descents on the way up, the total climbing for the day is actually closer to 12,000 feet. So um, I'm speaking to you about 24 hours after I completed this event, and I can tell you that it took me uh, just under five hours to get all the way up there. It was probably one of the more difficult days I've ever had on a bike. Uh, I would say that something like Leadville was a little bit more physically demanding because it's a little bit longer, but on a road bike... I can't really imagine doing anything that is more difficult than the Taiwan Game Challenge. It's an event that attracts a fair share of top pros, actually, largely thanks to the good prize purse. I think it paid out about $16,000 U.S. after you do the conversion, and it pays equally to the women's race now, which it didn't used to do. The women's field was stacked. Uh, Emma Pooley, who has won this race before, was there defending her title. She's one of the greatest cyclists of all time in my book. Ali Cipollini's Aussie climber, Carly Taylor, was there. Canyon SRAM's uh, Zwift Academy winner, Leah Thorvalson was there. Uh, very, very strong climbers. And then there were some kind of silent hitters that showed up, like this woman named Emmy Collinge, who is a world-class runner, uh, sh- showed up and despite being absolutely terrified of riding in a pack, rode to third place on, essentially, on her engine alone. That's the sort of thing that you can do when the whole race is uphill. Uh, on the men's side... Vincenzo Nibali showed up. That that was pretty cool. Uh, at one point, I was riding along in the pack and looked to my left, and Nibali was right there. And looked to my right, and Cadell Evans is on the other side. Uh, Evans showed up. He's clearly still fit. Uh, at dinner with him one night, I asked him how uh, how much weight he's put on since he won his yellow jersey in 2011. He said just one or two kilograms. So the dude, that's you know that's that's four pounds, three four pounds, and so the dude is is. Still very fit, and you can tell just by looking at him, he still rides a lot. He did the Cape Epic uh, last winter. So yeah, Evans was there, Nibley was there, Phil Guymon showed up, that was fun. Uh, Phil's made a bit of a name for himself chasing KOMs since his retirement, so this event certainly seemed fitting, uh, and he definitely showed up, he showed up confident, he, he, he thought he was going to win this thing, or at least hoped that he was going to win this thing. Uh, we're going to chat with Phil in a little bit here as well, actually. Before we jump into chats with some of those pros, as well as the guy that was sort of my fixer over there, Lee Rogers, the communications manager for the race, let's talk a little bit more about the race itself. Because I imagine some of you might be interested in doing this one, and I have to say, I do highly recommend it. It starts with 18 kilometers of flat Just a neutral ride along the coast. Uh, Pretty easy. You're you're behind a car. They leave it at about 30 kilometers an hour, you know, 18 miles an hour, and you're in a field, so it's dead easy. A lot of people just pulling over to take peas, basically. Then it turns left up Taroko Gorge. Taroko Gorge. I keep saying that wrong. That is where the fun begins. For anyone interested in power figures, these type of events, uh, I sat at... I averaged about 270 watts. I think it was like 268 watts for the next hour and 15 minutes. Uh, then I popped off that front group. I weigh about 145 pounds. So you're talking, you know, four watts per kilo for uh, over an hour. And then you have two and a half hours plus of climbing left to do. Uh, when I popped off, it was only getting faster. So Nibbly's, you know, Nibley's teammates hit the front at that, right about that point, And then and it was... It was good by me. Basically, the gorge itself isn't actually a particularly tough climb. Uh, when you're when you're sort of in down by the river, it kind of stair steps two, four, six percent back to two flat for a bit. Uh, things slowly get steeper as you continue upward, but it's never all that bad. It sort of sits at you know five, six, seven percent maybe. Around eighty kilometers in, there's a short downhill. They say it's four ks uh i think much like the leadville 100 saying it's 100 miles but actually being 102 miles they are lying it felt more like about 2k and didn't didn't take very long at all at that point you've been climbing for about three hours and when that descent finishes up it gets real nasty the final 9k are absolutely brutal uh here in boulder we have a climb called magnolia takes a strong rider a just about 30 minutes, 32 minutes to climb up has pitches in these sort of, you know, 20, 25. Some of the inside of the corners are even higher. Uh, this was harder than mag by a long way and not just because it was at the end of, of three hours of climbing. Uh, you're already fatigued. You're already fighting cramps. There's more than three hours of climbing your legs, and you have to face this series of, of walls, basically. They ramp way up over 20%, then drop to 10 or 12, then ramp up again. Plus, you're at nine or 10,000 feet at this point. The altitude stings, even for someone like myself, who I live at 5,000, 6,000 feet. I rode with a 34 front chainring and a 32 rear cog, and I used every bit of that gear. It's that last 9K that really make this thing Hard. Without that, eh, it'd be hard, It would, but it wouldn't be crazy. It'd be more like something like Haleakala uh, in Hawaii, which I've also done, which is sort of, you know, just sits at 5 or 6% for a long, long, long time. You get up to 10,000 feet, and you're tired at the top, but it's not brutal. That last 9K at the top of the Taiwan KOM, that... <sighs> It's hard to describe how much you hate—you hate every foot of that climb in the, in that particular moment. Well, definitely one of those type two fun kind of things. Not exactly fun in the moment; more fun kind of in retrospect. Nibbly finished the thing in three hours and 19 minutes. That's uh, from the timing mat at the base of the gorge, not from the actual start of the ride. So you, you add 40 minutes to that in terms of like total ride time. Phil Guyman came in about 10 minutes later. He finished sixth. Uh, Cadell Evans a few minutes after that. I think he was 10th. Emma Poole finished in just over three hours fifty, uh, and my sorry self came in about ten minutes after that, completely wrecked. I sent this recorder actually up to the top in a van. Uh, did not Did not want to carry it up with me for uh, obvious reasons. It's actually not that light. Grabbed it out of the van and went and chatted with a whole bunch of people uh, about what they had just experienced to try to give you, dear listener, uh, an idea of what exactly this event is like. Because that's the the purpose of this podcast is maybe get you stoked on doing something that you maybe hadn't heard of before or didn't know that much about uh, and and know a little bit more about it going into the event. So first up, let's chat with Lee Rogers, who was kind of my fixer at this event. He's the communications manager for the Taiwan KOM Challenge. He's uh, a British guy, lived in Asia for, well, about 20 years or more, I uh, lived in Taiwan for many years, lives currently in Huilin, which is the town where the Taiwan KOM starts. Uh, and yeah, like I said, he, he was the one that brought is over, that brought me over, that wanted to show us this event, uh, and so I think he's probably a good place to start. Then we're going to chat really quick with Matt Stevens, uh, who had, uh, well, how do I how do I put this so it's PG? He had a bit of an issue uh, on the way up, a gastrointestinal issue on the way up the mountain. Uh, then we're going to chat with Emma Pooley, the winner of the women's race. Uh, she is obviously... Very excited about both the equal prize money and the fact that the women race the same course as the men, which is something that doesn't happen anywhere near often enough. And finally, we're going to finish up with Phil Guyman and his thoughts on what how this climb compares to some of the other KOMs that he's been chasing lately. Let's listen in. Yeah. I'm with Lee Rogers. Lee, you're the you're the communications director of this race. Uh, you're the one that invited me over, actually. Why don't you set the scene for us here? Uh, we're sat in quite a romantic setting, actually.
1: Um, I was wondering why you bought the wine and the two candles, <laughs> Kaylee. It's a bit disturbing. I always think ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or with his head. Uh, anyway, uh, we're actually sat... In the car park, car park right next to the finish line of the Ty- the Taiwan KOM Challenge, we finish in the, in the same point every year, and we're overlooking uh, the beast that Kaylee just rode up. It. It's the last sort of last kilometer, which is one of the steepest parts, one of the most difficult because you're so tired at this point. Um, it's so it's so high up, but the set- setting, this beautiful ribbon of road, which is absolutely glorious to look at, maybe not so much to ride. Mountains on to the right native trees in front of us, there's a forest over there to the left. There's more mountains upon mountains, there's clouds blowing in, there's dappled sunlight everywhere. You can see where the the race came over, where it's 2K to go. It's just absolutely gorgeous. It's like, uh,
0: it's picture postcard perfect, isn't it? It really is. Uh, I've never been here before. I've been to Taiwan before for some factory business and things like that, but I'd never had a chance to ride. Uh, definitely had not been all the way up here, and it really is. It's almost it's almost Swiss up yeah, here. It's, it's a bit sort of, yeah, it's a bit sort of, you know, has that Alps feel. Uh, we're, we're basically at Treeline right mm. now. I mean, uh, there's the sort of some, some scrub around us, but not a whole lot going on. Yeah, and, and, and we got some beautiful sunshine for yep. my maiden Taiwan KOM Challenge. Stepping back a little bit, how did you find this race and sort of end up where you are? Oh, well, I moved over here from... I
1: was living in Japan for 10 years, and I moved, I just started cycling again, my uh, just for fun, and then I ended up becoming quite serious about it. And then I got offered to ride for a pro team here, a continental team, Fuji Asia. And they asked me to come to Taiwan. I'd never had any... Uh, any sort of inclination to come here. I thought it would kind of be like China, which it isn't. Uh, and then a week after I got a phone call if I wanted to be the editor of a cycling website here that I was working for in Japan, and they were in exactly the same town. So it seemed pretty fateful, so I, uh, within two months I was here. And uh, of course, because my team was based here, I was doing all the local races. And I think I did this little hill climb that was about 10k, and then my manager said to me, "Oh, by the, by the way, in two weeks we've got another hill climb. I said, okay, great. <laughs> He says yeah yeah you might need to do some extra training for it i'm like why he's like well it's it's 105k long and it goes up 3,275 meter, meters and i was just like yeah right i know actually that's exactly what it is um it's exactly what it says on the tin and then some and uh, after the first edition i wrote an article because i was still doing some journalism i wrote an article about my experience here and the tcf people read it taiwan cycles federation the organizers they they read about they read my article and they just felt that i kind of caught the spirit of it and uh, then they called me and they said we'd like to come for a meeting, Would you like to do some, some more work for us and maybe help us find some foreign writers and foreign journalists. So I, I became the uh, communications director. I've been doing this now for four years. Uh, and just quickly, as quickly as possible, we went from having about 150 Taiwanese peop- people with three or four foreigners four or five years ago to f- almost 600 people this year with more foreigners than Taiwanese for the second year running. Hmm. Which is pretty remarkable, really, and we have no marketing budget, so it's just been the quality of the people we bring over, the journalists, uh, the increasing quality. You know, not to denigrate any of the riders, but, but the increasing sort of a profile of the pros we've brought over, and now it's just going off the hook with GCN, um, with you guys, and especially with Cadell and Nibali here. It's just insane.
0: Yeah. So about well, about an hour and a half ago now, Vincenzo Nibali won. This year's edition of the Taiwan Camel Challenge, in three hours and 19 minutes, uh, which is which is insane. <laughs> Having just ridden up it yeah. in over four, uh, and I don't consider myself that much of a slouch. Um, has you rode the last 500 meters backwards? You know that. <laughs> I would never know because I was not up here at the time. I was about an hour further down the uh, down the track. Has bringing guys like that been really a focus for you? And and what does it bring to the race itself? The beautiful thing about this
1: race, we actually don't want it to be a UCI race. We'd have to be limited to 175 riders or something, 167. Uh, We'd have to do a whole bunch of other things, compliance things. I love the fact that you and Joe Bloggs from, from Brighton, England, who rides twice a week with his buddies, can decide to come here and do this and be on the start line with a pro tour rider it's insane it's so beautiful actually because uh, everyone has the same experiences so they everyone if everyone any, ever meets vincenzo nibali in a little coffee shop in 10 years time in milan or, or, or messina wherever he lives and they go up to him and they say hey man i wrote the, the taiwan km challenge he'd be like "Fuck yeah dude <laughs> yeah you did and so did i you know uh so there's that and yeah it is a focus for us um increasingly our, my focus is to bring more women Women are woefully underrepresented in so many ways uh, in the world, but especially in cycling and at this event too. And it is a it is a women-friendly event. Uh, Taiwan's a very safe place. Um, we just have equal prize money for the first time ever, which we've been working for for a while, and we're really, really and it's, it's big purse. Yeah, we're really really proud of that. And with our anti-doping policy, we we're proud of what we're doing. We it's something everyone has a passion about that, that works on the team. Mm-hmm.
0: So this is a bucket list thing. Totally, it's I mean. I, I sort of knew that it was a bucket list thing uh, on, a, on a sort of more figurative level before I showed up here. But now, having just finished it, I mean, I'm literally still in my kit. This is this should be a bucket list item. The GCN guys just
1: said this was the hardest they've ever done, and they've done the Hawaiian one. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's five thousand meters. There's something something particularly unique about this climb. I don't. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's in the top five hardest climbs in the world. Let's put it that way. But mm-hmm. but what what this race is and like similar to what sort of doing a hot roost is and similar to what doing um, the Hawaiian one is, especially the one-day ones. Cycling is about the joy and the beauty and the comradeship, you know. It's about getting on your kit, kit and going and feeling the, the wind in your air, but it's also about, about true suffering and brutality. It's about overcoming your own demons and, and the environment, the weather, uh, the terrain, and then it's about, about reaching the summit or reaching the goal and feeling absolutely elated. Halfway up, you're like, I'm never going to do this again. Why am I doing this? Did I pay myself? Did I pay to do this? But when you get to the top, everyone's like, oh, God, that was brilliant. I'm going to come back. And this this event has all of those elements in one day. It's it's like a Paris-Roubaix, but uphill. You
0: know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, I I went through all sorts of... <laughs> interesting mental gymnastics as i I was on my way as i was on my way up this thing (laughs) (laughs) mental mental leotard yeah (laughs) no it's it's certainly it's 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 one of the it's one of those things it's long enough where you have certainly have time to sort of think about it uh you have time to think about where you are and how far you have to go uh and also thankfully some time to sort of look around uh, the other thing that we've been doing this week and you guys you know, Taiwan Tourism Bureau was, was sort of kind enough to, to invite a bunch of reporters over including myself we spent a bunch of time riding this week the riding in Taiwan I didn't really know anything about it I, 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 had, I had heard some things from a colleague who came to this event previously um, but it really is pretty spectacular and, and we are we're, the whole thing is basically sort of pushed up into one big mountain range in the middle of it uh, really quick if people are listening to this and maybe thinking about doing this next year, how would you put together a, say, one-week trip, including this event around Taiwan?
1: Uh, I would arrive about three days early in in Taipei, uh... I would come down to Hali and do a little bit of bike touring around here, do this, then I would probably go down to Sun Moon Lake, which is just the other side of this mountain, so you've got a 65-60k descent, and from there, there, there's a myriad of routes around a really beautiful lake. You can kind of go flatter, you can go do a 65k climb called Tataja, you can go do another 75k climb called Shan from the hotel and back in 160k. That, that place is pretty cool, and also down from, the, down from Hualien down to the south towards Taidung is also really cool. Uh, uh, or you can come to my coffee shop, Lee's Coffee Shop in Hualien, we where go. we're going to be doing bike tours, bike rentals of Bondot Bike with Sense Composite Wheels, which are both my companies by the way. We charge $5 per plug, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but plugs are... <laughs> It's a good Anyways, thing I can so. edit this. <laughs> anyway, so please come and check us out. Uh, but yeah, just come. Just come, you know. you know. Maybe you maybe you normally go to Mexico or you normally go to Thailand, but come here and just check it out. We'll be waiting and there'll be a good cup of coffee and a chat.
0: Yeah. The weather's good. The riding is absolutely incredible. So make your way out of here. Matt Stevens of YouTube fame. Hey. I hear that you had uh, some gastrointestinal
2: distress out there. I did. I had to... Uh, I had to take a number two, yeah. Uh after about forty K. So I found a little one well, a little turn off. <laughs> rode up the lane for a bit and then another little turn off and then hid. Uh and then I heard uh, just as I was doing it, uh I heard this barking and these two black dogs came up just yelping at me uh as I was kind of like, yeah, doing what I needed to do. So that was that was interesting, yeah. but it, it kind of gave it that extra kind of dimension of adventure I think. But uh, a fascinating a
0: fascinating middle to your Is that about the middle? Yeah it's about the middle. Yeah. Middle to your Taiwan KO and challenge. We're at the top now, we're at what, ten thousand seven hundred feet, three thousand three hundred meters. How did it go for you? What what was it like?
2: It, it was. I tried to stay with the lead group as long as I could because uh, I thought that would be beneficial in Just getting drawn along by the bunch just sat in the slipstream as, as you know you were there as well uh, And then there was this little kick-up where I just felt the bite and I knew That I couldn't kind of hold on any longer. So I just uh, got in a little group and then Dropped the group and then rode then stopped and then rode on my own pretty much for the whole race, just catching people but you just have to kind of just measure your effort you know you can't really ever kind of press on too hard and as the altitude increases that that, that, that kind of effect increases as well your ability to produce power kind of lessens so it as I, am, I'm not, I haven't got the kind of endurance that I, I kind of used to have but I think it was the most weirdly brutally conservative ride that I've ever done <laughs> if, if that's a, it's a paradox isn't it but it was absolutely horrific but I I was constantly just throttling back because I was fearful of just you know, altitude putting myself into the red, and I was cramping for the last 20k as well. Ooh. so it was just just pain all the way. But but great fun. But great fun. Yeah, I have to say that pretty much the same for me. The altitude not so
0: bad. Living in Boulder, but uh, yeah, it was, it was just strange. You really had to be super super patient. And then the other weird thing for me was that we were talking about this earlier. You, we didn't know the course, and and it sort of the whole thing was stair steps. Yeah. It was steep flat, steep flat, steep flat, and so. You never knew when this steep was actually going to end, and when whether you could punch it, and whether you, you know. So you kind of had to go slow, slower than you thought. You had to go all the time. I thought it was pretty strange for me. Yeah,
2: I mean, I'd come back, but I'd, I think I was uh, physically woefully underprepared. Like I th- thankfully, my muscle memory was there. Uh, the fitness wasn't, but it was still great. It was still good fun, enjoyable. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Yeah, cheers, man. <laughs>
0: Phil Gaiman, we're in the back of a van. Uh, The dulcet tones of this lady that has been announcing all day. And in the background. There's also Beethoven.
3: (laughs)
4: Timeless. Timeless, lovely Beethoven. Yeah. It went from um, Call
0: Me Maybe to Beethoven. Excellent. Uh, that's the sort of that's the sort of music selection that we appreciate at bike bike races. So, how'd that go for you? How was it?
4: Um, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it's what I deserved. <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> that's what it is. Um, there were more pros than I thought here. There were some there were some strong dudes. Mm-hmm. I sort of looking at like the list that they promoted. It was like. Nibbly, and then a bunch of nothing, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like I would be the heap of the nothing. And then if you, the actual registration list was some some good bike riders, uh, which which I am not no more. So I mean, not exactly not a good bike rider. You were sixth, is that? I, was six, I saw you on yeah. the podium. It was tactical, yes, yeah, six man podium
3: <laughs> standard.
4: I, like they called me, and I, I was like sitting reading, and I heard my name. I was like, come on. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was it was like maybe 4%. There's a lot of flat parts, a lot of downhills. It was, like, super tactical. I kind of, like... I raced it smart. Like, I... Th- like, Nibbly was was obviously surging to, like, make everybody go super deep. Like, he was doing 600 watts at 5,000 feet for a cup. Like, and I was like, no, I'll find you later. And I did. <laughs> I came back to him. And then when I came back to him, that was at, like, 9,000 feet. And I went for it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and then uh, I paid for that about... 800 vertical feet later Um, he was a motorcycle so yeah I mean Nibbly's gonna be a tough nut to crack my whole thing was like if he tries we're screwed Mm -hmm. if he's you know like but he he won Lombardia and I also wouldn't have been shocked if he just went out drinking for two weeks and (laughs) showed up here with like a cigarette (laughs) so so it was but it was the former um, and not cigarette Nibbly that I was hoping for what brought you out here um, they invited me as media, uh, and and I was like, I was like, well, I, I want to go. It's like I've heard of this race. I've I've wanted to do it for a couple years. It's been on my radar, and then I was kind of like, is media eligible for prize money? He's like, no. And I was like, can I go as the um, something else? <laughs> and I had to like apply for that, uh, which 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 I got in. So. Uh, point, point proven. I'm not, I'm not media box yet. No offense. Hey,
0: <laughs> I said no offense. you did finish like a half hour in front of me, which is about, I was media box. That's, that's where the media yeah, box a starts. Solid media box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me and the GCN guys chilling at like four hours. Exactly where you guys belong and I'll be there eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be there. It's, it'll be 10 minutes a year. What did you expect coming into this? I mean, you said you heard of the race before, you know, clearly climbing is your thing Mm -hmm. it's like literally your thing at this point yeah uh i mean it was a harder easier comparison to you know big climbs in hawaii what what else have you done that was like it it was it was kind of what i figured like i'm
4: i'm I'm good at the strava climbs like i'm good at like five to 30 minutes kind of thing this was never my jam so i sort of like tried to convince myself that it would be drafting until like the last 10k which it it kind of was but it also wasn't (laughs) um my my power profile will not be pretty today um but there's so I knew like've I've ridden Mauna Kea, which is like almost the same a little higher and there's dirt um but I wasn't racing up it but I was right. like definitely put my I was I was going for the Strava right um so I know like once you get to altitude your your wa- shocker your watts go down um and I was I was like half prepared for that. But uh, it, it ultimately, like it came down to just a power-to-weight contest, and there wasn't anything. It was beautiful. I knew it was going to be that too. Like you get above the glades, nuts up here. Who who put this a tiny island? Who put these mountains here? <laughs> and who put the road over them? Yeah, and who decided? Oh, we got to pave that. <laughs> yeah, it's like waterfalls going through it. It would have been a half hour slower pace. Might have been a lot more pleasant. Mm-hmm. The the staring at Nibbly's ass. I was right on his wheel. I was in great position all day. Um, yeah,
0: A little bit more painful
4: Yeah, I didn't get to, like, admire the views I'm Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm, I've been up here for a while are we ever going to get off this mountain? That was the other thing I was like I've been to enough bike races to know, like I'm going to be here a while at the top <laughs> At the little festival thing
0: Yeah, I came and found you You're sitting in the back of a van with a book What are you reading? James Joyce That's how serious it is up here <laughs> That's how serious <laughs> We're going to be here a while, folks It's not uh, serious His portrait of the artist is a young man serious But it's still, yeah it's gonna be a while, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, uh, in the while that I have, I'm gonna to continue to walk around and try to find some more folks to talk to. Emma Puli. We are at the top of the Taiwan Taiwan Challenge, three thousand three hundred something meters. You just won for the second year row. What's what is it that keeps bringing you back here?
3: Um, to be honest, this year was totally different for me. Um, so it doesn't really. I mean, I know I've. It's great that I've been here twice, but it doesn't feel like. Oh, boring, boring repeat because last year I came I was invited and I kind of came because I wanted to make some prize money to be honest and I'd had a bit of a rubbish year last year financially so um, so I got an invitation so I thought i will come but I, I borrowed a bike and um, well I hired a bike and then it didn't fit me so I borrowed a bike and, and, and then a back wheel collapsed on me and it was just a really stressful race and um, but because I came to this race, I met Lee, and I um, he sponsors me now with Bond Bike. So because of this race, I got a bike, and then also I um, got sponsored by um, Sense Composite Wheels, and also my sunglasses sponsor is based here. And and so basically, I wanted to come back this year to represent my sponsors. Um, and and so it wasn't like obviously I wanted to win, but it was more important that I come to kinda of show my and it and I felt much more positive. And also, frankly, I just had way better equipment. Like uh, those wheels and that bike are just freaking awesome. The bike fits me and do you know how hard it is to get a bike to fit when you're one five seven tall? Um, so I'm really happy.
0: That's like uh four Six. eleven, it's five, five four feet
3: tall. <laughs> well shit, it's five two. Five two? <laughs> Nearly five two.
0: All right, <laughs> if you say so.
3: I'm downhill. <laughs> I'm, downhill. <laughs> I'm five two. If I stand up on tiptoes,
0: we'll give it to you. We'll <laughs> give it to you. Uh, all right, so it keeps drawing you back for well, the prize money. That's 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 quite nice. Um, it's equal prize money this year between men and women, which is fantastic. You just got handed a a one of those large novelty checks on the top of the uh, of the podium over there. This, that must factor in, and and then secondary question: How does it feel to you know beat an event that actually treats the women are here as they should be?
3: Well, yeah, I mean obviously the prize money is great because I'm and you know I'm a fresh athlete so I try to live off prize money and a bit of sponsorship, so it makes a big difference a, a, a good a good payday like this. But uh, it's it's funny because the guy who won like the prize money today for him will be like coffee money compared to what the guys win in cycling. What I, what I care about most, and obviously I'm really happy to win the prize money because it helps me to but what I care about most is that we race the same course as the guys and that is just like because because that's women want to race they don't no no one takes up racing man or woman because of the money and and if you if you can be a professional and make money then it's great but you, we race because we want to race and, and we don't want to be condescended to with shitty little races and women's cycling is improving in that is it like the races are getting tougher every year and and they're getting more better mediatized and, and people like you who cover women's racing it's awesome and we, re- we really do appreciate it so thank you very much because when people get to watch women's races it, you know it's exciting and it's good to watch so I, I like coming here because we get to do the same course as the guys and we just get treated like humans and it, you know, they don't really care whether you've got a penis under your shorts or not
0: <laughs> line of the day there <laughs> ladies and gentlemen i'm not sure we're going to get any better than that uh although lee made a butt plug joke earlier so you had stiff competition I don't no know pun intended is. uh in order to pay for my flight home, uh, we've decided to charge all of the athletes that I speak to five dollars per plug. Uh, and like Taiwanese dollars or no, no U.S. dollars? U.S. dollars. Uh, and so, Emma, you have one more.
3: Okay.
0: What did you have? Wow. What do you have for breakfast this morning?
3: uh sadly i had rice porridge because that was all there really was oh, no. but normally i would have my own home baked pocket porridge <laughs> <laughs> which is basically porridge in muffin form and it is delicious and healthy and i'm gonna write a cookbook and then everyone can make it for themselves it's cheap ingredients super healthy delicious and everyone who's tried it agrees with me although everyone says it sounds terrible like baked porridge but it's really tasty is you it- can follow me on instagram pocket porridge
0: you should I think we put you over a hundred earlier we're going to shoot for a thousand after this after this podcast everyone who's listening to the podcast and is on Instagram needs to go follow Pocket Porridge
3: it's basically food porn it's food porn and it's delicious
0: (laughs) is this breaking news that you're going to write a uh, a cookbook has that been in the media Um, yet
3: I haven't kept it secret, but no one's bothered mentioning it yet. So, so you could have the exclusive scoop, and uh, any publishers who are interested can come and bid.
0: (laughs) Breaking news, bellonews.com. Pooley's
3: pocket porridge. Pooley's pocket rocket. Pocket porridge. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, we'll leave it at that. Great. Thanks for the chat.
0: There you have it. Taiwan KOM challenge and Taiwan itself, both absolutely spectacular. Both worth adding to your riding bucket list. Thanks again to Scott for setting me up with a 15-pound disc brake bike, which was not only perfect for the climb, but also really excellent on the hilly, rainy rides that I did early in the week. I was certainly glad that I had disc brakes there. Keep an eye out for a chance to win the bike that I rode, and head over to scott-sports.com slash VeloNews to win, yes, win, for free 700 bucks worth of scott gear that's a scott cadence helmet and rc ultimate carbon sold super sick racing shoes now before i head out on my 14 hour flight back to the u.s a quick note uh you have probably picked up on this if you're a regular listener this is indeed the last time you'll hear me on the bell news podcast It's been really fun building this thing, and I do sincerely thank you for listening. The podcast is in fantastic hands and will continue to be one of the best things in cycling media. I am very much convinced of that. So with that, I'm going to play us out on the same local drums we were played in on. See you around.